Welcome to the Paragold Podcast. This is Jared Pitney, and today I'm joined again by Captain of the Police Department, Brad Snyder. How does it feel to know that you are in rare air, my friend? You are only, I guess you and Josh Agee are the only ones who now officially have come on the Paragold Podcast twice. Wow. Wow. How does that, that feel? That is, uh, that's humbling. Not as good as you thought it would feel, probably. <laughs> Not as great as You could use some more comfortable chairs. <laughs> that is true. Mm. I agree. Let's put that Note down. Note to self. Note to self. Um, it is good to have you back. I'm glad to be back. How's things been? Busy. I bet it has been. You're already putting signs in yards. I see a lot of your signs I've all over. Hundreds. All over the place. That's great. How's the police department been? Busy. Has it? What are y'all up to? Can you tell me anything um, that I'm not supposed to know and that we're not supposed to know? And can you get into anything that's like, man, I don't know, that's like territory, like, this might be secretive stuff here. Mm. Well, you know the old saying, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. Ah, mm. Does that apply here? We'll move right along. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> busy at the police department, though. Yes. What, what's been going on there? You know, we're... Public knowledge stuff, of course. Sure. Uh, we're, we've been working on getting people hired. Uh, we've done some applicant testing. Uh, we've hired uh, around six new officers. Some of those are already on the road and in kind of a field training program. Okay. Uh, others are just now coming online and getting their uh, equipment issued and getting all the uh, paperwork stuff. Done. Is it hard to find good help uh, when it comes to police work? Because everywhere I go right now, whether it's Allen Engineering, when I do my chaplain work, or go to get food somewhere. It's like help wanted. It's everywhere. And then everyone's like, it's just hard to find good help. Does that apply? It is. It does. Uh, very I much so. I think so. And, and, and even more so because we have to be very, very picky. Yeah. Because we owe our residents the, the best that we can get, the best that we can find. And so that means having to call through and look at applicants and their backgrounds and things of that nature because we want to make sure we have good officers in that uniform i certainly want you to have good officers in the uniform absolutely and so and i feel like we do for the most part so um i'm curious we've talked about this before with around the police work um but uh, for those who have not heard the previous podcast i would encourage you to go back and listen to that with brad snyder can't remember exactly what episode that was but it's fantastic um what is the process for becoming a police officer like, how does that, what does that even look like in our city? Well, the first step is obviously putting in an application. And uh, once we, we usually test about twice a year, usually in January and sometime in like June or July. And uh, that process is a physical agility test. If you pass that, then you move on to the written exam. If you pass that, you move on to the oral interview with usually the command staff, us, the captains, the chief, uh, and, and oftentimes lieutenants. Uh, shift commanders will be in there for the interview part and uh, after the interview is conducted then we start background investigations and then uh, those that are selected from that process they're given a conditional offer of hire and they must complete a drug screen you know drug test mm-hmm. medical physical and a psychological exam hmm. sounds pretty thorough it's pretty how thorough. many police officers do we have right now we have 53 total spots 53? okay and we want to have how many? Is that good? That, that's that's where we're topped at is 53. And uh, I think we're sitting around 48 now, maybe 49, something okay. like that. Excellent. So I know you've worked uh, with the police department since 2000. Yes. Before that, uh, you were doing some work in the sheriff's office, if my memory doesn't fail me. And now you're interested in going back into that work. Um, you're running for sheriff. I am. And I'm curious, and I'm sure those are who are listening, why? 
Well, I started my career in January of 97. I was 19 years old. I had just turned 19 that previous November. And uh, I've always wanted to be in law enforcement. And uh, the opportunity presented itself in January of 97. So I started as a dispatcher. I did that until I was the my 21st birthday, actually. And I was promoted to deputy sheriff. And I was given a badge and a gun on my birthday. And so uh, I went ahead and went through the academy and, and uh, completed that and worked there for a while longer before I went to the city. Uh, as I stated in my original announcement that I was going to run, I started my career there. And I'm to the point now in my career where I am, you know, we can retire after 28 years of service. Getting close. I'm getting very close. And so I have no intentions of retiring anytime soon, but I always wanted to end my career as the sheriff. Why? I think in that position, you have the opportunity to make a lot of differences. I mean, not only are you the one making the decisions, uh, but I think how you uh, present yourself, how you present your department uh, is is imperative to uh, our community, you know, our our law enforcement community, our just our, our county in general, you know, putting a positive uh, sight or light on that office. Because at the end of the day, you are an enforcement agency. And it, not everybody likes the enforcement part of it. Right. And so so there's a lot more to it than just enforcement. And, and I think that as the sheriff, you're typically the figurehead. Yes, at the end of the day, the buck stops with you. But a lot of that is just portraying a positive image of not only law enforcement, but the county or department that you serve. And so uh, I just think that's very important. And I think that that's something that I can, I can bring to the table uh, very quickly. I would like for those who are listening to just wrap their mind around exactly what a sheriff does. I talked to Steve Franks about this whenever he came on. I'm interested in, in hearing your take as well. Um, I know those who might be listening to this that didn't hear the other, it'd be good for them to, to know like, what exactly does the sheriff do? Well, the sheriff is responsible for the jail, the sheriff's department, for uh, civil process, uh, lawsuits, custody battles, things that are uh, documents that are issued in in civil court and circuit court. Uh, those have to get served. That's un, under the uh, direction of the sheriff, and uh, so there's a lot of duties that the the sheriff's office does that, that we don't see at the city. Uh, we don't serve papers. We don't do any of that unless it's an emergency or something we can. But uh, they take care of all all the civil process and obviously the jail. That's that's a big one mm. is being responsible for the county jail. And so that that is very uh, time consuming. It's very uh, stressful. Uh, and that's just that comes along with that territory. Yeah. So there's a lot of responsibility to being a sheriff. Um and that's why I ask, because I know some people listen to this, they don't realize what all the sheriff does. My question, I think, is obviously you wouldn't be running if you didn't feel like you'd do a good job. Absolutely. Um, Steve came on recently. Seems like he's doing a great job. Everything that he shared, likable guy. I'm curious from your perspective. A lot of responsibility. You've got to have some level of confidence that, hey, I can I can carry that responsibility. Not just can I carry it. But I actually think I can do it better than those I'm running against. Tell me about that. Where does your confidence kind of come from? And, and what is it that you specifically feel like, man, these are some changes I would make that I think would really be good for our county? So 
in my current job, as I alluded to earlier, you know, the position of sheriff is often referred to as a figurehead. Elected officials are typically figureheads. And, you know, in my current position at the police department, one of my job assignments, my job duties, is public information officer. So that's dealing with the media, that's writing press releases, uh, anything that goes out publicly, social media, that comes from my office. And so uh, dealing with TV interviews and things of that nature, that's what I've done uh, the vast majority of my career, in fact. Uh, that goes back even my, my days teaching Derrick in the elementary schools and the middle schools. So being that figurehead, being in front of a camera, being you know, behind a, a, an interview on the, in the newspaper or, or putting out media releases, uh, that's kind of what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. And um, so... Obviously, I, from a public perception standpoint, from, from the public standpoint, I'm in that, that eye, if you will, mm-hmm. the eye of the public. And so day one, being able to mitigate, handle any of those type situations, that's, that's right up my alley. Mm. Um, and you're right, I would not be running if I didn't think that I could do a great job. And that's not to take anything away from Steve uh, sure. at all. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, uh, he was the first call I made mm. when I decided I was going to run. What did you say to him? I'm going to tell you, that was the hardest conversation. I bet it was. I, I, it took me a long time to make that call. And, um, and when I was talking to him, I was pacing in my yard. Uh, because Steve and I are friends, mm. uh, first and foremost. And I told him, I said, this is not personal, it's business. And uh, I don't want, and, and we have been very, it's been very cordial between he and I since. Uh, and, and I really appreciate that uh, because we're friends first. Mm. Uh, this is business, not personal. And so. Uh, Did he wonder if there was anything that you thought you would do different? Well, I think anybody. If, if, if that's I were, what I'm, I'm thinking. If you called me and you're like, hey, I want you to know, like, I'm going to run against you. I would, my first, my, whether I asked you or not, I'd be like, why? And what I'd be asking is like, what is it you think I'm not doing well or that you can do better? Sure. I think any candidate for it, it, any, it, that's going to be the first question in their mind. 100%. You know, and, uh, and, and I just told him that, it, again, I stressed that it wasn't personal, it was business. And, you know, th- there are things that I would like to do that would be different or it would look different or, or things of that nature. So uh, what are some of those things? I'm curious, like obviously anytime somebody takes over somewhere else, any job, right? Whether it's a manager position somewhere or, you know, wherever it's at, you always have kind of an idea. There's some things I'd like to do different. What are those things for you? Well, you know, for me, this is kind of how I look at it. Every sheriff that came before Steve, did things a certain way. Might have been great. And then the next sheriff may have added to. And then the next sheriff may have added to. Next sheriff may have taken away, but added something else to enhance. And so that's kind of the way I look at this. You know, he, you know, Steve mentioned in his, in his podcast about the jail and, 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 and I'm not going to take anything away from him as far as any kind of credit goes on, on what's taking place out there. It, it, it is obviously, uh, he's done a good job with that. Uh, one of the things that we have a, a major issue with, and, no, and nobody likes to hear uh, what I'm probably about to say, but we have a huge issue with, with juvenile crime, and we have nowhere to put them. Explain that to me. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, 
Like I know what you mean about like juvenile and crime, but yeah. but practically like how is that creating issues? So so if you have a juvenile, for instance, that is um, maybe mentally unstable, but they have committed a crime as like aggravated assault. They've, they've pulled a knife or a gun on somebody, a family member. We don't have anywhere to put them right now. Where do, what do we do? We send them to the, Jonesboro? The, Jonesboro stays full. There is a there is a juvenile detention, detention center in Jonesboro at the sheriff's office at the jail, and it's its own separate building uh, by law that has to be separated. And uh, but the problem is they're always full, and so now our juvenile department, uh, Green County Juvenile, is having to find beds in other parts of the state, which may be hours away. Mm. And then on top of that, we're spending ninety dollars a day to house a juvenile because we're using someone else's facility. Exactly. And so with, you know, Mississippi County, uh, their, their sheriff's office, their jail had a juvenile division, had a juvenile detention center, and they have recently closed it to, it's my understanding, to uh, remodel that portion of the jail and turn it into housing federal prisoners like we do here in Greene County. And so uh, they are getting out of it, uh, the, the one in Batesville closed. And so, I mean, you're looking at hours to find somewhere to, to house a juvenile. Mm. And that's a big issue because if, you got a, if you've got a juvenile that is violent, that is committed a, a, a violent crime, whether it be rape or, uh, God forbid, murder or something along that line, we don't have anywhere to put them. We, we would have to search high and far. Do we see much juvenile crime in our county? It's getting worse, yes. And, you know, we can go back to, you know, when I was on the last time, we talked about mental health being a big issue. And it is a huge issue. It's a huge issue for the public. It's, it's a huge issue for law enforcement. Mm. It's a huge issue for our mental health system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of a, you, know, you bat it back and forth. You know, we deal with the same people over and over. And, and juveniles are no different. You know, they are, there are some that are, are uh, need mental health assistance. Because of their mental health status, it causes them to do things that are violent or, or whatnot. And so we've got to be able to, A, charge them and, and, and put them in the, in the juvenile system. But we've got to have a place to put them as well because if we're having to turn around and, and cite them in back to the very home that they were in when they pulled the knife, that doesn't accomplish anything, and that could obviously cause problems down the road with the, the offense actually yeah. occurring. So if we, I'm guessing part of your vision is you'd build a juvenile center. I would like to look at that. Okay. And if we did that, would that give us more control over the kind of help we gave these kids? I think that we could institute some mental health assistance in there for sure. I mean, I think that uh, whether that be on a contract basis with one of the mental health providers, similar to what school districts do, you know, school districts go into get into contracts with uh, mental health providers to provide those services to the students. You could do the same uh, in a juvenile detention facility. That would be huge. And I mean, that'd be something worth, like, at least for me, I could get excited about. Um, I worked at Arkansas Counseling for five years, saw hundreds of kids um, in that time. And interesting enough, sadly enough, only. Let's see, in the five years, hundreds of kids. There might have been two homes that had a dad in it. Yes. Most of the kids that were getting in trouble or having the issues didn't have a father around that loved them. 
And so they were incredibly scared. They were incredibly angry. They had all sorts of issues, right? They're looking for attention in the wrong areas, belonging in the wrong areas. And so I've always had a heart for a lot of these kids in our city. And I've always thought like, man, like there's, there's gotta be more we can do. There's gotta be more that we can do. And I could get excited about a juvenile detention center if I knew there was a way that it wasn't just like, okay, we're going to throw you off the, get you off the streets and just throw you in there and, and make you pay for what you've done. But like, man, like while they're here as a captive audience, are there, are there uh, services that we can provide as a community? Absolutely. It's a mentorship program or something, uh, mental health to maybe make a difference. Cause I mean, you make a difference even in one of their lives. You're talking about generations that's been changed. So here's the deal with the, with how juvenile set up juvenile, you have juvenile detention, you have adult detention. So I'll explain it like this. The juvenile detention is to rehabilitate. The goal is to fix them before they become adults and yes. really go down a wormhole. Yeah. And so if we can intervene on the front end, yes, they're in detention. Yes, they're in jail. But they're in a controlled environment. You know, they are being fed. A lot of our kids don't eat. You know, every school has a backpack program. We have food pantries scattered out all over the city that, that are constantly being uh, utilized. Great, but that tells you there's a severe food insecurity. Yeah, it's one of the reasons, by the way, Paragould School District, which is, um, I guess, per student, they're, 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 the poverty right there is higher than it is at Tech. Yes. And sometimes people will criticize them for not shutting down for during like a certain like, you know, inclement weather or whatever. And I've talked with Dr. Shinkoviak personally, and he said it's because you don't realize if we shut down, we have a lot of kids that would not eat that day. Absolutely. Like, that's wild. Like, people, I'm guessing most people don't think that happens here. Every day. Every day. And not only, not only are you worried about them not eating, but they're in abusive homes, whether that be mentally, physically, sexually. So when they're at school, they're outside of that environment. They're being fed. They're protected. And when they're at home, mm. it's not the case. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you look at that juvenile detention facility and you're like, well, face value probably sounds bad. But they're in a controlled environment. Yes, they are in trouble because they committed a crime. But hopefully they're getting the services they need and can get through the juvenile court system and hopefully be in a better position when they transition to being an adult and hopefully not reoffend. Mm-hmm. So, so that, that's, that's kind of the goal that I see in that, that respect. Yeah. Well, our jail, from what I understand, I can't remember Robert, if we talked about this on or off the air with Steve, but uh, I think it's like, what was it like 80% or something of the, the people who were out in the, the, in the, the residents in the jail, or the inmates in the jail, like 80% were kind of like repeat offenders. Yeah. It was something like that. He didn't have. I don't know if you've heard stat. that, but it's the recidivism I, rate is always high, and, and and that's something. You know, I don't know if anybody has the answer for that. Well, what you're talking about is a step forward, and the fact yeah. that you know you mentioned it that you have to try to get to these people while they're young. Yes, because they're just the reality is the longer they go down that, you know. You can't teach no dog new tricks, right? There's a reason why that's a cliche, right? Because it's true. 
you know, I'm not saying like they're dogs. It's just the, the point I'm just making is that's true of all of us, right? Like yes. the longer we've been doing this bad habit, the harder it's going to be to break it. And so the sooner you can get there and break the habit, break the cycle, the better chance you have of rehabilitation, right? Of, of, of setting a course towards success or towards just being a, a, a benefit to society, right? And so I think that is huge. I think. Well, and, and I think the, the reason you see these, these facilities dwindling or nobody stepping up and saying, this is what I want to do, because straight up they're a headache. The, the, the standards for a juvenile facility are just astronomical. And, I mean, you've got you've to walk a tight line. You've got to dot your I's and cross your T's. And, and so I think a lot of times people, they just don't want to mess with it because it's stressful. And at some point or another, we've got to stop and say, somebody's got to do it. And, you know, I've never been one to shy away from difficult things. Uh, I can shoulder that and, and deal with that. And if, if I'm dealing with more stress or more headache, but I'm getting a positive outcome, and I may be saving some kids from reoffending or becoming another statistic in the, the state penitentiary, then I feel like that headache and that stress was worth it. Yeah, 100%. From a community, what would the sacrifice be? Um, for those of us living here, would that be a just a, a an increase in tax, or what would be the the call to arms for us? Like, how would we join in that? Well, I think that, and without looking at the budget, without looking at surpluses and thing things like that, um, I think because of what, and, and I'm, again, I'm going to give credit where credit is due, where Steve has has done well with the the jail and has developed that ability to put back money. You know, I think that you. Potentially, you could look at, uh, and, and it may take a couple of more years or, or three or what ha- what have you. But I think you could take some of that surplus that's been put back for for a rainy day, and if not pay for the entire thing, but pay for half of it, mm-hmm. and do the other half, kind of like what we do in, in school districts. You know, you 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 sell, but you got to have a bond issue and things of that nature, and then you pay that off with with your proceeds from either the the main jail or if. If, you're, if we're paying $90 a day for juvenile, guess how many counties in this part of the state bring their juveniles to us? Mm-hmm. And so they are paying for that facility. Mm. So, I, again, I think it could be in the same, the same premise as the, as the adult jail mm-hmm. as it could pay for itself mm-hmm. with, with staff, with payments, with, with utilities, whatever the case is. Is that something you would continue, what Steve has started with, bringing in? Inmates from other parts of the state, um, even those that I guess are um, oh, the different inmates he brings. I'm trying to think. Is it the marshals? Yes, marshals. Yes, are. okay. The federal inmates. Yes, yes, okay. That's yeah. I mean, is that something that you would want to continue? You have to remember that I came back from the sheriff's office way back when, where money was an issue. It was tight. He didn't have any, and and we've had several years of that in the past, and so. You know, it's kind of it's kind of a double edged sword. Do you do you continue doing that and reaping the benefits financially uh, and being able to pay those those deputies and those jailers uh, a good wage, uh, improving the facility, or do you cease that and and then be at the mercy of what sales tax revenue you, you generate mm-hmm. in the county alone? And I, from an economic standpoint, I think. It's the obvious answer is to keep that program. Mm-hmm. 
uh, as long as the federal government will let us have it. Yeah. Um, What's the con in that? I mean, there's no con, right? Well, you know, I think that if if I'm living in the immediate vicinity, there might be some concern about what type of inmates those people are. What are people? Why would people be concerned about that? Well, I mean, you're talking loose or something. Sure. I mean, when you live in the vicinity of of a correctional facility, a detention center, you know, the the thought in the back of your mind is. you hear something out in the woods at night. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and, and Has I, that ever happened? Oh, we've had escapees over the years, yes. Really? When's yes. the last time someone's escaped from our jail? I couldn't tell you. I mean, I don't... So the I, chances aren't great. No. It ain't happened often. No. I mean, we've had some in the past uh, use uh, fingernail clippers, I recall, to, to get through a, a fence. You know, that, was, that was back in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. So wow. I mean, where there's a will, there's a way with folks. And that's just the way that is. And so, so if I'm an if I'm an, an immediate neighbor of of the jail, then that's always something that, that's probably in the back of their mind. They don't dwell on it. I'm sure. Just build another wall. Just well, <laughs> well that may be something that you look at as maybe a secondary fence to help uh, <laughs> to help uh, thwart that. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, there there are ways that probably we could look at to to beef that minimize up. an already very low yes potential. Yes. What else as far as changes? Is there anything else that you see from your perspective that as you, if you step into this row that you're like, this is something I would want to try to, to change? So from a patrol standpoint, uh, I'm a huge advocate of the deputies patrolling the county roads, the farm shops. You know, you, you have communities like Oak Grove and Life and Delaplane that have city streets, just like like I patrolled in Paragould when I worked patrol, that that deserve that attention. The, the patrols, the stopping, hey, how are you doing? Shooting some baskets with some kids, uh, and uh, and even Marmaduke. Marmaduke does have its own PD, but being there for them as far as if I'm up in that area, why not cruise through some of the streets? You know, why back up uh, the Marmaduke officer if they're on a traffic stop or if they're on a domestic or something like that? Go and, and lend a hand to them. And so, uh, I'm a big proponent of that. In fact, um, a couple of weekends ago, I was up in Delaplane, and I spoke with a couple of the council members up there. And one of the one of the things that I always thought about when I was a deputy years ago, um, Delaplane is at the fringe. It's at the. I mean, we're talking from. Highway 304 at the county line, uh, just outside of Delaplane, to our PD is about 35 minutes. That's a long ways. And so uh, the sheriff's office out on Rockin' Chair, so you're, you're looking at about 30 minutes from there. And uh, I always made a point to try to get up there every shift that I worked as a deputy at some point or another. And you're way out there. And... So something that I mentioned to those two council members was I would like to see maybe a, uh, I won't call it a full-fledged substation, but somewhere where if the deputy was out up that up in that area, they could, they could pop in there, work on a report, take their computer out of their truck, you know, sit down at a desk or something, type out a report, use the restroom, stretch your legs, whatever. Mm-hmm. That would, they would be in the area up there. And that might entice them to to be in the area more often because they had a place, you know, that they could they could get out at for a minute because it is way up there. 
And so that was that was uh, fairly receptive, and and I think that that might be something that we could probably try to work out at some point or another uh, in the future. Yeah. But um, no, that'd be good. I mean, I'm sure that would speak volumes to a lot of people who are out there on the fringes that we don't even think about. And another thing I'd like to to see done is um, I have a big heart for kids, and you know I taught the Dare program for eight years uh, with the police department. And so they talk about cliches. They really are our future. And if we can, if we can put them down the right path, then we're better off in the future. Now, in that same context, protecting them, you know, law enforcement, we protect those that can't protect themselves, basically. Mm. It's kind of how I look at that. Kind of a, if you want to take that line out of uh, A Few Good Men where – where he asked, what did we do wrong? Well, we're supposed to protect those that can't protect themselves. Mm. And so uh, in the, I feel like uh, you see more and more, if you're, if you're watching the news or you're, you're, you're looking at social media, you see more and more child abuse investigations, mm. arrests for you know, child pornography. You see, I mean, you see all of this, and it, and it seems like it's more and more and more. I saw a... Uh, a comment on one of uh, KIT's Facebook posts. And it was a reference to an arrest that we made up here in Green County and Paragould. And it was like a couple back-to-back, two days in a row. Mm. And the comment was, I didn't respond to it, but the comment was, man, what's going on up there in Green County? And I'll tell you what's going on up in Green County. We're catching these people. Mm. And we're prosecuting these people. And so um, we, of the second judicial district, so that's six counties up here, Crittenden County on up this direction, we have the most prosecutions of any other county Mm. in this judicial district. And that is because we have outstanding investigators, members of the State Police Crimes Against Children Division, the Department of Human Services, uh, Green County uh, Child Abuse Task Force, uh, our department, the Sheriff's Office, Marmaduke PD, uh, are all part of this multidisciplinary team that that's what they do. Mm. And so they are go-getters. What I would like to see happen is I will be um, taking that to the next level if if I'm able to do so. Mm. And... um, that will include uh, a very highly trained investigator that, that has dealt with that the majority of their career. Uh, that will involve the Arkansas State Police Crimes Against Children Division, hopefully housing them, put, putting them in office uh, out there. And one thing that I have been kicking around uh, in speaking with uh, the potential uh, prosecuting attorney candidates is I would like to see us have a dedicated, trained deputy prosecuting attorney that knows how to try those cases, that knows, because they are different than any other case, how, how they need to be handled, how, how interviews need to be conducted. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a whole lot of specialty mm-hmm. things that occur with those. And so I would like to see the second judicial district have a DPA that is trained to prosecute those exclusively, specifically. I would also like to house that person Mm. at the sheriff's office. Mm. And so if you have, now obviously that DPA would travel 
two other counties uh, do what they needed to do as far as uh, prosecuting cases in those counties. But I would be more than willing and more than happy to give them an office. Because if you have, if you have the prosecuting attorney, the Crimes Against Children Division investigators, highly trained child abuse investigators, and it, if the opportunity lended itself, getting into the Internet crimes against children type things, mm-hmm. uh, the technology part of it, because that's where a lot of this is, is stemming from. Uh, getting a team together that's in-house under one roof, the sky would be the limit on what we could do to protect these kids that are being mm-hmm. victimized. And, and that's my goal. Mm. I love that, Brad, to protect the most vulnerable Absolutely. part of our county. Um, yeah, that's something I know many of us could get behind and is certainly needed. Yes. For sure. Those who are listening to this might be on the fence, right? They hear Steve come on here and like, that's a nice guy doing some good stuff. And they hear you like, nice guy doing some good stuff. Um, but they're not sure which direction they want to go. This will come out actually, um, let's see, this is actually coming out this Friday. So it'll be released and early vote. Uh, so it'll be released on the 6th. When's early voting? May 9th. May 9th. So for those who are on the fence trying to decide, yeah, which way do I go? Anything that you would want to just leave as far as a parting word before we have our rapid fire questions? I have spent my entire career preparing myself for this moment. I have worked hard at every position that I've ever held in law enforcement, whether it be dispatching, patrolling, uh, being a DARE officer, being a public information officer, uh, being a sergeant, a lieutenant, a captain, whatever. Uh, I have always made sure that I've given 110%. In addition to that, uh, I have served on uh, the Green County Community Fund Board. I just rotated off of that last week, or earlier this week, rather, uh, as the vice president. I currently serve as the president of the Green County Tech School Board, uh, and that position has been a very stressful one to be in, uh, just on the board in general, for the last couple of years especially. Uh, and so a lot of tough decisions had to be made and that were not taken lightly. And so bearing those burdens, bearing that stress, all for the benefit of others, is is what I've done my entire career. Mm-hmm. I have, you know, I'll, I'll kind of echo off what the sheriff said in his podcast. Uh, I carry two phones, one work, one personal, and work shows up on both of them. Um, I have to say that my wife is a very, she's a saint. She's a very patient individual because it may ring all through the night. It may ring mm-hmm. while we're eating supper. It doesn't matter. Uh, and it's somebody that needs help, needs assistance, and I'm going to provide that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just what I do. Uh, if somebody needs help, it may just take me 30 seconds to fix that for them. And, and that's, that's it. Mm. But to them, that whatever that issue was, oh, was, was it was huge. And so, you know, uh, I, I want to do that. I want to be able to, to serve them, help them, and protect them, just like I have for the last 25 years. And, and that's just, I give 110% to mm. everything. Mm. I don't halfway do anything. I've seen that from afar. And I have personally been one of those people who have called you before. Yes, you have. And asked for advice on how to handle a legal issue and i can speak for the fact that yeah um what may take you 30 seconds or a minute would have taken somebody else a really 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 long time and it was a really really big deal you know and so i appreciated the time that you've 
given me. Absolutely. You. So thank you for how you've invested in the community. I know that you are um, from here, went to school at Grand Tech. And, yes. And as long as I've known you, um, you've always really cared about this community. Absolutely. And wanted to leave it better than you found it. And so I really appreciate all that you've done. Certainly wish you the best uh, for the future. I'd love to end with some rapid-fire questions. That's okay. Bring We've done on. that before, but I know things have probably changed between now and then, so I'm interested in hearing rapid-fire questions with Brad 2.0. Outstanding. Let's go. <laughs> what is either the last show that you watched or the last book that you read? I'll go with book. I don't watch a lot of television. Okay. Uh, How More on Leadership. How More on Leadership. Okay. And does the name How More ring any bells with you? I've heard the name, but I cannot think of where I've heard the name from. We were soldiers. Ah. Any any uh, takeaway that you can share at this point that he, comes to your mind? Treat your folks like family is is a big one for him. Mm. And take care of them. Mm. And, uh, and they'll take care of you. That's good. I read... Um, I think it was back when I was in seminary. I read uh, Lincoln on leadership, and he talked about the importance of getting in the trenches. Yes. And so he actually used to go and circle, you know, the front lines, everything. He'd come out and just spend time with the people, then talked about how how huge that was for the soldiers, for the people that were there on the front lines. Well, it goes back to don't ask anybody to do anything that you wouldn't do yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's that's either I have already done it or I'll, do, I'll go first. It doesn't matter. That's great. Favorite band or favorite song right now? Hmm. I'm a big Bob Seger fan. Bob Seger. And the Silver Bullet Band. Uh, is that his band? Or is that That's his band. Okay. I do not know one song from Bob Seger. I'll tell you. Um, wow. Did I, he just say I, that, I, Robert? Guys, I'm just being vulnerable. Is this a safe place? It's a safe place. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I'll tell you what I've enjoyed, by the way. Not that anybody's asked me about music, but I have never been a big Bruce Springsteen fan. Oh, yeah. But on Netflix right now, there is Bruce Springsteen on Broadway, yep. and it is unbelievable. Outstanding. Yes. Have you seen it? I have seen, I've oh, seen parts man. of it. I've seen all it of it. It is good. Favorite meal? Chicken and dumplings. Mm. Just had those three nights ago. Gluten-free version for my wife. Oh, bless you. <laughs> As I say, it's a good thing it's a podcast. People couldn't see his face, his reaction. Just threw up a little bit over there. The yeah, a grimace. Uh, yeah. Um, what's on your nightstand right now? A book. Okay. Keep it simple. Last yeah. two questions. Give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life right now that brings you great joy. Serving the public. And having a family that supports that 100%. Mm. That's, that's a difficult combination to have. Uh, yeah, I would think so. And, you know, I, I said it earlier, my wife's a saint. Um, running for office has been an eye-opener for all of us. You know, I've got an 11-year-old and I've got a senior in high school. And, and so that was a big family decision for us to sit down and decide whether or not that was the right thing for me to do. Has that been hard? The actual it, race, you know, it's not been it's not it's it's been more exhausting than it has been anything because okay. you try to you try to be everywhere. Yeah, and I'm working full time, which is not just a forty hour a week job yes. for me. And so, couple that with running a, a campaign, campaigning, being at places, uh, school board meetings, uh, community yeah. fund meeting. I mean, you you get all that stuff. You don't uh, stop. You don't stop. And so it is it is tiring, but. 
you know, at the end of the day, I can't do any good sitting still. Mm. So I've got to go. I've got to get out, and I've got to give one hundred percent. And and I know this is temporary. Mm. Whatever the outcome of this this election is, it, it's temporary. Mm-hmm. You know, either uh, it's gonna that part's gonna stop. Mm-hmm. And so, sure. um, so the old uh, the old saying, "I can sleep when I'm dead" type situation. <laughs> I, that's kind of how I have to look at this. It's it's yeah. uh, as I like to say, it's like drinking water out of a fire hydrant every day. Wow. I can see why it would have to be a family decision. Absolutely. So you don't rip your family apart. Like, hey, here's what this means. Here's what it's going to look like. Are we in this together? Kind well, of? you know, you have to prep your kids because, you know, as adults, we, we, we like to think we can handle things if they're said that are negative or, 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 or things of that nature. But, you know, you really have to think about your kids. And, you know, their classmates may say something to them about, well, your dad, blah, blah, blah. And I have to tell them, listen, your dad's a big boy. Mm-hmm. He can take care of himself. You just let it go. Does that happen though? Thankfully, rarely. Good. Yeah. But uh, but you know when 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 you're on when you're on the school board and you're having to make some tough decisions that that does impact the students that doesn't impact the faculty. My wife's a teacher there, and so you know that that can put them in precarious positions sure. where people that don't agree. Uh, yeah. You know, they may let it be known, and I've had to really, and even in in the police world, I mean, I've had to, you know, you deal with people out in the public. You have to practice what you preach, right? Like when you call Steve and say, this business is not personal. Like helping your kids understand even like, hey, those insults are, even though people might always agree with me, don't take it personal. Absolutely. And that's that's what I, I don't take it personal. I I respect anybody's decision or their their thought on something. I don't have to agree with it. But if that's how they feel, then that's I'm fine with that. And uh, and if that means that they don't like me, then I'm sorry. Takes some thick skin to be in your position. It takes a bunch mm. of thick skin. Thank, thankfully, I've got a whole bunch of it. Mm. And you're going to get to wear a great uniform, by the way. Is yes. that right? Yes. Sheriffs get good uniforms. I actually don't know. They will have. Yes. What kind of hats? That's important. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm thinking like cowboy hat. I don't oh, know why. Could we become a cowboy community? Uh, where the sheriff's department wears. Cowboy I hats. think it'd be awesome. Oh. Well, I got a thing, boys. I got to go. <laughs> I got a thing. <laughs> Last question. What is the one thing you're deeply grateful for right now? I am deeply grateful. And I'm a harp on my family because the more, the more this goes on, the more I look back on everything that I've done and been able to do, and it's because my family allows me to do that. And that's huge. Mm-hmm. And, and, it's not always been easy, and it will not be easy going forward, regardless of what what happens. Uh, I'm still going to be involved in the community. I'm still going to to do those things to try to make things better for other people. Mm. And it takes that support system. And, and I'll go back to even my parents, uh, you know, instilling that in me about helping others. And and if I have a, a, the ability to do that, then do it. Mm. And uh, and so my family, yeah, that's a big that's a big deal. Awesome. Well, Brad, it's always good to get to hang out with you. Hey, I'm glad you got to see me. Pleasure was all yours. Thanks so much. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Have a good one. And that was Captain Brad Snyder. Captain. The captain. Brad, thanks so much for coming on again. Yeah, congratulations. First time with me in here. That is true. Yeah. First time with Bill. Yep. So, and now with you. Uh as always, it is a pleasure, Brad. We really do appreciate you making the space to be here. And you know who else we're thankful for? 
Who's that? The listener. The listener. Amen. Yeah. For those of you who are still tuning in, whether you're on a jog, maybe commuting to work, working out. Maybe um, listening instead of working. Mowing. It's that season. Mm. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you've not already done so, I would really encourage you to go to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating there. That helps people to find us more quickly and learn about the incredible people living in our community. Also, be sure and check us out if you've done or done so. Give us a like on Fight uh, Face Fight Fightbook, whatever it's called. Facebook, they know. Facebook, yeah. Give us a like on Facebook, and uh, yeah, check us out on Instagram as well if you uh, have not already done that. But mainly, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in. Until next time.